whatever you're saving up for. A CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 5.50% APY on an 8-month CD special or 5.00% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. The is-it-morning-yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own adventures in the Spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining into Adventures in the Spirit. I'm so excited for what the wonderful Holy Spirit is doing around the world. I'm currently at the University of the Nations YWAM Kona, Youth with a Mission, which is the largest short-term missions agency in the world. And I'm with my friend Joel Rogers, who is an amazing man of God. He's a media missionary. He's got all kinds of incredible stories just from what the Holy Spirit has done in his life. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to my friend Joel Rogers. Joel, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you, Jared. And hi, guys. Aloha, as we say here in Hawaii. Yeah, it's good to good to be with you and and to be with the audience and yeah, it's this is this is why I'm man. So do you want me to should we start from a little bit the beginning and catch people up? I would love mission? to. Uh, if you're not familiar with Youth with a Mission, Joel has been born and raised in it. But I'd love for him to give you guys a background story. Uh, this is did interview Josh Finnamore, who was a YWAM student, who's a power evangelist in the local community. But this is the first episode of what I'm calling YWAM Voices. Mm. So uh, yeah, please share what YWAM is and what God has done with it. Absolutely. Well, in 1960, when YWAM started, uh, neither of us would have been eligible to be missionaries. Like, in fact, most of the, the church worldwide would not be considered candidates for mission service. They would have been rejected because either they were, you know, not from Western countries, or maybe they were women, or they were single, or they were too young, or they were too old, or not from the right denomination, or simply just not a high enough level of education and theological degrees and all the rest. And God spoke to Lauren Cunningham when he was still in his 20s and gave him this vision of waves. And he saw it, he, when he describes it, he says it was like this mental, um, you know, picture, moving picture like a, a movie. Before his eyes, he was awake and in prayer, and he started seeing this globe, and the waves were just crashing on the shores of the nations and all the continents were just getting covered over by these waves that kept washing over and coming back and coming back stronger. And as he, he kept watching this, this vision, 
he started seeing the waves become young people from all around the world, from every you know kind of ethnic background, and seeing he realized that what God was was sharing with him was this image of young people bringing the gospel, being um, the image of hope and truth of Jesus for the world. And at the time, that was absolutely radical. We think of you know missions we is almost synonymous with young people these days. But in 1960, he literally got kicked out of his denomination, lost his, you know, uh, his credentials uh, um, with that denomination. And it was a hard, hard thing for him and his family. But we've seen over the years how, how very absolutely led that was, that God was using that moment to open up this vision to people from all over the world, to all denominations and I myself, I grew up in the Methodist Church, and there are some amazing Methodist ministers out there in the world, um, but I would be a shame if the only missionaries that were out there in the world were from my denomination, right. and if the only missionaries out there in the world looked like me, talked like me, were from my cultural and linguistic background, it'd be so limiting. Right. And so that all changed, and since 1960, you know, YOM has just exploded around the world, and we're, we're, we have presence on all continents in every time zone except that one weird one in the middle of the Atlantic that there are hardly any people in. Um, and we get, to, we get to see here in Kona, this is the largest training campus in the world. Um, not in size, but in numbers. And so we get to see people come in from every walk of life. Young, old, like little babies, 90-something-year-olds, and from every corner of the globe. And they get to go out in missions and be championed and discipled and learn what it is to hear the voice of God. And that was one of the early things that God really um, un just revealed to Lauren and others in the mission. And that's why we often go back to, we still consider it you know, required reading. Is that really you, God? Is an amazing and powerful book. Um, and just happens to be my mom and my uncle who wrote right. it, so, right. <laughs> so I know a little bit behind the scenes on that. Yeah. So if you heard that, that's his uncle and his mom who wrote, Is That Really You, God? Lauren Cunningham and his wife Darlene, the founders of Youth with a Mission, and I'm uh, the fruit of Youth with a Mission. 23 years ago, I know that that dates me a little bit, I was a, a DTS, Discipleship Training School student, right here, just around the corner, right down here actually, yeah. this walkway. and. Uh, Man, I just got out of drugs and all that, and they had let me in. They told me it's not a rehab. Um, that's a whole other story, but uh, I was powerfully impacted by God. I was baptized with the Holy Spirit, November 14th of 1998. That hint, that's what my whole ministry is, Fireborne Ministries. Went to the nations. I was in two YWAM schools, two mission trips before God called me to Bible college and then the rest of life. But... Um, my ministry, really, my calling started here. But Joel, uh, can you elaborate more on on uh, uh, Lauren and Darlene, their family, and uh, and just your personal story? Well, sure. Um, I guess where to begin? My my parents were told they wouldn't have kids, and they had been going out in missions with YWAM for several years. They started with YWAM just three years after it began. And so for, for my mom, I mean, this was working with her brother and literally on the day of their wedding, uh, my uncle Lauren, you know, 
was driving my dad to the wedding and they were late because he was working very hard to recruit my dad into missions. And, and they said yes. And it was a, a really a lifelong call. And they'd been out in missions and, and doing pioneering in places like, uh, you know, East Asia, South Korea is one of the biggest mission sending nations on the, in the world. Um, people couldn't even leave their country legally at the time. They could hardly get passports. It was very poor and such a shift in that country. And now they've become a massive mission sending, you know, movement from that nation, Australia, Scandinavia, um, various other parts of the world, Afghanistan. But throughout that whole time, you know, the greatest desire in my mom's heart was to have kids. Mm -hmm. And they had not been able to, and they'd been married for so long. And so many people had prayed for them and, you know, no one could, no one could fault my mom for kind of giving up hope at a certain point. And, um, but people kept coming and saying to her, you know, I feel like God is saying that you're going to have kids. And, and a few people in particular came and prayed for her. And finally, um, you know, a pretty big news came to them and they, they found out that they were pregnant, even though the doctors had said, it's just, it was just a medical impossibility. Well, they, they listened to the little heartbeat in the womb. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, we, the weeks went by. And finally, the, the doctor uh, delivered a baby boy on July, so the seventh month of 1977. And he said to my mom there in the, in the um, room, Mrs. Rogers, I have a surprise for you. There's another baby in here. Wow. And so seven minutes later, on the seventh day of the seventh month of 1977, um, I, was, I was born. And no one was expecting me. They only thought it was one baby, that, that whole pregnancy. And they didn't do sonograms at the time unless it was at-risk birth, at least in that part of the country. And so I started life with this sense of like, okay, God is real and he has a destiny for me and if that's true for me that's true for everybody and I see that in the Bible and I've seen that in my life but I've known a lot of people who kind of they grew up in the absolute opposite feeling like they were a mistake that they were unwanted or unexpected in a bad sense and um, I had a drummer in my band when I was living in Europe. I've, I've played music uh, most of my adult, well, all of my adult life. And a uh, drummer that played with me, his name is Francois, awesome brother and friend. And um, he had a very hard childhood. He grew up with, you know, his mom and dad were doing okay. And until tragedy hit when he was, I, I want to say 12, his dad was just goofing off and just um, had, they had this pull-up bar in his cousin's house and he was goofing off and trying to make him and his cousin laugh. So he puts his feet up and tries to flip over on the pull-up bar, but it turned loose right as he was upside down. He fell on the floor, broke his neck and died. Mm. And my friend Francois was just absolutely wrecked but the whole family kind of gathered around the cousin was kind of shrieking and reacting and he just like walled himself off um, emotionally and you know didn't believe in God and just spent 10 years as a gutter punk getting drunk getting high 
playing in punk bands uh, around the south of France. And it wasn't until many years later, like his, his sister had come to the Lord and she did a DTS, a discipleship training school. And she, she told him, you know, you, you may not know this now or you may not think anything of this right now, but God loves you. And it took a good 10 years for him to get to the end of his rope. And he was in his room and preparing to take what he knew would be a, a lethal overdose. Um, and he just, he had this moment where he, it was like everything shifted and this check in his spirit. And he didn't have words for it at the time. But he, he remembered what his sister had said. And, and he just took a moment and he prayed and he said, God, I don't know if you're out there. But if you are, I just know that you must be a God of love. And God just, his presence was just so real in the room in that moment. And all of those years of being without a father, all of those years of, you know, just rebelling against the whole world, um, were just kind of, not gone, but, but washed away a bit mm. in, in that moment, in that warmth and love. And when later, years later, we were touring together in the U.S., and he, he met my parents, and my mom told him my story. And he, he struggled with it, because he felt like he was not here on purpose. He really felt like his whole life, he felt like he was an accident. Mm. He was unwanted, unloved. And it shifted for him. So that, that's, that's one of my prayers, is that God would really, that people would encounter God in that way, that they could know that they are loved, that okay. they, they could know that there is purpose in their lives. And that's a lot of why I do missions. You know, I, yes, I grew up in the mission, and yes, my parents are missionaries, but it was never any sense of like obligation, or you must do this, Otherwise, you're, you know, less than or anything like that. Not at all. You can hear God's voice and prophesy every person with the Spirit of God living in them can be used by God for entry-level prophecy. Entry-level prophecy is the starting point of an incredible adventure in hearing God's voice and prophesying. Prophecy encourages, comforts, and edifies people. And our heart is to equip and educate you to hear God and prophesy, walking it out as a lifestyle. And that's why we created Entry-Level Prophecy eCourse on CharismaCourses.com. Through this powerful e-course, you will be equipped to hear God and to prophesy. You will gain the necessary biblical understanding needed to take a step of faith and speak what you hear God saying to see people encouraged, comforted, and edified. In this course, you'll learn about the fruit of the Spirit, the character traits of God, how to receive and deliver a prophecy, how to judge a prophecy, and what foundation you need to prophesy, and what heart motivations are necessary to prophesy. When you enroll in this e-course, you'll also have access to bonus materials and our live coaching sessions. Go to charismacourses.com to purchase entry-level prophecy and learn how to hear God's voice and prophesy. So how did you receive your call into media yeah. missions? Well, I, I grew up wanting to do communications and wanting to do, you know, film and sound and I wanted to do music, but I didn't think I was talented enough and I and, uh, thought, well, maybe I could just be a rapper. <laughs> now I know how ridiculous that statement is. Like, of course, that takes talent too and very different uh, in many ways to what I do. But 
absolutely incredible craftsmanship involved in that as well. But um, I, I wanted to do what I saw my parents doing, but in, in a different way. And I didn't, you know, my mom is a writer and she's written now dozens of books and edited books. And my dad was a publisher my whole childhood. I didn't think that's what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to, I had a, a message to communicate. And so when, um, when I went to Europe the first time to do my discipleship training school, um, we, we made this stop along the road because I was driving with, with my brother and my uncle and a few others from Sweden down to Switzerland um, where I was going to do the school. And we stopped in Germany at a place called Altensteig in the Black Forest. And at the time, YWAM was running something called Art Lab and Media Village. And I didn't even really know what that meant, but I wanted to go see because it sounded cool. And we went for a tour and I met this guy, Joseph Avakian, and others that kind of described what YWAM was doing in, in media and in missions. And it was the first time that I realized, okay, these two things don't have to be exclusive to one another. Right. I can serve God and do missions, but still be involved in media and creative work like this, and they, they can actually go together. That, that shifted things for me, because up until then, I didn't really think that was an option. Oh, wow. And now you're here, we're here in the InnoVision studio right here on YWAM Kona. So what's the story with InnoVision? Yeah, well, InnoVision started off just as, you know, basically four walls and a place where we, we would show the video productions that um, Global Virtual Studios, the Film Institute, the communication department of the campus and others would produce. And it was right around the 50th celebration, uh, 50 years of YWAM, 2010. It was a big gathering. We'd had these um, events happening all around the world, 40-something countries. And this was kind of the final big bash to, to say, thank you, Lord, for all that he, had, he has done over the years and for all that he is going to do. And so we had about 3,000 people come through the campus during that time. Wow. Um, and they built this space, and it was just going to be kind of a, a media library or like a gallery of sorts. Um, and I wasn't, I was involved a little bit at the very, very beginning, but mostly it was after the event that um, they didn't know what to do with the place <laughs> and they didn't know who could run it. And so they asked me to step in at different times. Um, and what we saw happen, especially in 2012, when my twin brother Jeff moved to Kona, we saw this shift where InnoVision Studio was not just the name of this locale, but it actually became a ministry of itself. Because um, we, we didn't know what God wanted us to do. When Jeff moved here, it was a transition time for the campus. Um, my, my cousin David Cunningham was moving off of campus with what had been kind of... Uh, the Film Institute is, is um, kind of halfway between the for-profit world and the non-profit world in this like kind of educational um, dynamic. And he was moving into the clearly for-profit sector, and that's awesome, and he's doing great, great things through that. Um, but I didn't feel like that's what, what God wanted for me, and Jeff didn't either. So the question was, well, then what are we supposed to do? <laughs> it's a big campus. There's lots of ministries and options. But the question was, well, God, what do you want us to do? And 
in the time when we were just sitting over here by the window and praying, we felt like God said, I call you in a vision. And that, that truly shifted everything. I realized in, in that moment, okay, that's not the name of this place. That's the name of our, our ministry and what mm -hmm. he's called us to. And, you know, since that time, since 2010, we've created over 600, you know, video productions and including a few feature-length films and documentaries. And we've um, created, wow, over 60 ministry websites, countless, you know, social media pieces and articles. And, and we've been running creative media course schools every January. I've run now for six years um, and then seven schools in six years and it's it's an amazing um, thing to be able to kind of transfer what we've experienced with the Lord in this time and try to you know train others and get them equipped to to do get in on their own God adventure and it sounds like that's a lot what what you've been engaging with in this podcast sounds kind of oh, like yeah. your your parkour yeah. Yeah, I love it. Well, I, I love doing what I do, and it's been a pleasure working with you guys here while I'm a Thank School you. of Digital Likewise. Film student. But um, you mentioned some of your uh, movie projects. Yeah. Uh, can you share? I know you've got a few, but like, what have you seen? Like, can you name a, a movie project that maybe people have seen, and what you've seen God do through it? Absolutely. Well, uh, the one that's the most easily accessible right now is is Lost Kites. Um, and if you go on Amazon Prime, you can you can stream it. If you have Prime, you can get it for free. Otherwise, it's a cheap rental. But the idea started with a student-led, student-shot production called Dear Panama, or Querido Panama in Spanish. And uh, we had students sitting in chairs right here in the room who had never shot film with their cameras, who had never edited video with their laptops. And we got to sit with them and train them as they were being discipled, because it was a discipleship training school with a media focus. And we got to the end of, we have like a lecture phase of usually two and a half months, and then two and a half months of outreach where they go to the nations and, and put in practice what they've learned. Well, we had three students that they were internationals and their visas were, um, were expiring. They just had tourist visas and they had to leave the country two weeks early. So they went to Panama and our ministry contact in, in the country met them at the airport and she said to them, you have to come with me, there's a story you, you must tell. And so they got whisked away to this, this orphanage. Um, uh, it was, it's a large orphanage that had been there for over 30 years at that point. And these little babies um, were HIV positive mm -hmm. and they were at risk of, of progressing into full-blown AIDS because they were not getting um, the antiviral uh, mm -hmm. medications that they needed to, to stay, you know, mm -hmm. in good health. And it wasn't a matter of money, like just go down to the pharmacy and buy the medicine because of the dysfunctions and, and corruption of government and others. Um, they were, they, there was none to be had in the country. And so they produced a news piece, in fact, three news pieces that told the story of those little kids and then got that message to enough people that people sent the, the medication needed and they were able to literally save those kids' lives. But it uncovered a bigger story, which was that 
not just these kids who are HIV positive, but all the kids in this orphanage and all the other orphanages in that country were not getting adopted. Um, for that one orphanage, they'd been there 30 something years, two, less than 2% had gotten adopted. Mm -hmm. So the kids are basically timing out at 16 to 18 and just being left to fend for themselves. I mean, how hard is it to just figure out life if you've got parents or some kind of, you know, support structure. Um, but these kids are just fodder for trafficking and drugs and mm. violence and all sorts of abuse. Um, so that film, that student film, Querido Panama, um, we helped, you know, edit and I created a soundtrack here in, in the back room and composed and produced and, and Jeff went and visited with the team in Panama, um, my, my brother Jeff, and, uh, and we helped walk them through that, those first edits and actually get it ready to do a premiere event the last day of their outreach right before they, they came home. And it went off. Awesome. Basically, people, movers and shakers from political and healthcare and, you know, NGO spheres and others all showed up at this event and they saw and were moved by this film to the point where within that year, the law was passed that basically approved all of the things, all of the stipulations that were outlined in the film were put into law. And it was finally signed into law by the president within two years. Did you guys hear that? Signed by the president. That's the power of media missions. And Joel here was part of that. I would love for you to share one. More. That was an amazing story. Can you share one more? I mean, oh, gosh. Sure. Like, I love this. Absolutely. Well, I mean, playing off of or coming off of that, um, one of the students, Sam, from the UK and several others of the students really felt like God was saying, you know, this isn't it. This is not the whole story. And they realized that this was a story that was much bigger than Panama and that actually all around the world there are many institutions like that, even with wonderful, loving, well-meaning people running them as best they can to try to replicate a family environment but when it is an institution, it will forever be um, a less, um, less of an environment for children to thrive. Uh -huh. Children need to be loved. Right. They need to be accepted and to be um, safe in a home family environment. And we've seen in the Western world that that is the best for kids. We don't, we don't have big, you know, thousand kids orphanages anymore. That doesn't exist in America. And we have our own dysfunctions with our uh, fostering system and things are, are improving in some places, but the, the solution is not, hey, let's go to Africa or India or some other part of the world and start up an orphanage. That's the old dynamic that we've learned and these students, they go on this 22 nation tour, filming all around the world, every continent, and they brought back these stories and they told these three stories of three kids that were experiencing different, different aspects of being without family. Hmm. And that's, that's the Lost Kite story. So I would love for, for your audience to go and check it out. And um, we've got other films that, that are in the works. Um, 
and that are already out there. So like the Hawaii Legacy Series, which they could get at hawaiilegacyseries.org, um, tells some of the spiritual history of Hawaii. Um, and right now, one of the ones that our students and uh, our, our staff are working on is for Papua New Guinea. Right. And uh, it's called Beyond the Island. It's not out yet, but it doesn't really matter because it's not for America or for um, most of the world. It's for Papua New Guinea. Um, because even though like the HIV crisis is lessening in most parts of the world, we're getting more testing, we're getting more education, we're getting more um, medical treatment, and that shifts everything. But because of the stigma, because of shame, because of people thinking, oh, this is a bad disease for bad people. Right. Um, which is, you know, that's almost archaic. And right. in, in America, we think we thought like that maybe in the 80s, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we know that's not true. But to make that a very real and personal message, um, my brother and several others from the Lost Kites team um, went and filmed in Papua New Guinea. And it's a powerful, beautiful story. A very tragic one, though. Uh, this woman who, um, she didn't even know what HIV was. Uh -huh. She did not have that level of, of education. Her husband had severely mistreated and abused her. He had been unfaithful to her. And in a dream, God spoke to her and told her to that, and showed her this, this white piece of paper and eight in the letters HIV positive mm -hmm. in, I, I'm sure in, mm. I don't know I can't tell all the, the right. detail to it but it, as it deserves justice but she had to find out for herself what that meant mm. and because of that she got treatment and she's still in good health today uh, but the saga wasn't over so it's a crazy it's a heartbreaking but powerful and potentially very healing story that we, we hope that all of Papua New Guinea will hear and see this movie in a way that will help them understand that just because they have HIV doesn't mean that life ends and it doesn't mean that they are under some judgment from God that God's grace can go so far beyond that and that there is medical treatment to help them yeah wow this is the power of media missions right here with my friend Joel amazing stories guys um, Joel, if, if I were a student or someone uh, like even later in life in transition looking to probably get involved in media missions through Youth with a Mission, can you share what the roadmap would be? To... Sure. Yep. Well, like, like what we've both experienced um, and most people who've done uh, YOM, Youth with a Mission, have experienced, um, the first step is really a discipleship training school. And there are opportunities literally all over the world. There are very few countries that don't have a DTS locally. Any given year, a DTS and YWAM outreaches will actually minister in every nation on earth. Um, so there are so many opportunities. YWAM.org will have all those DTSs um, literally scattered across the globe. You can search um, what, what kind of flavor or accent you want your DTS to be in and my suggestion is really just to pray because mm. I asked God I had you know uh, a book at the time of all these different places where I could go around the world and I said God I'm willing to go anywhere but these are my favorites but I will go anywhere you show me and it was absolutely the right place for me I showed up 
and even though I knew my heart and my call at that time was media and especially music, um, it was not planned on being some kind of music DTS. And I showed up and almost every student was a musician. <laughs> and we ended up doing a CD recording and going on outreach and going on tour, playing in concert halls and universities wow. and TV and radio and a porno theater and bars and clubs and places I never thought I would set foot in. But we got to be the light and, and the love of Jesus to those people. And we got to plant a church in Serbia. Wow. And the, the young people who, who became Christians during that time, we got to kind of get them together with these two pastors who wanted to stay in the country. And so they got discipled while we were there with them. And then they, they stuck with those pastors and created that church. And I spoke, spoke to someone just a few years ago who was back there and verified that, yeah, the church is still there. They're still seeing people come to the Lord. And they've written some of their own worship songs in Serbian and done outreach. And we actually, my brother went back and ran a DTS in Serbia. They did outreach to, to Bosnia and Croatia, wow. which um, for those who don't know the history, those three nations were literally genociding one another. Mm -hmm. And to see um, Serbs choosing to go and risk their life to go to be in Sarajevo and other places and to show the love of Jesus is truly exceptional. And it shows how much God can heal and do powerful, amazing things. Yes. So yeah, go do your DTS. Yes. And then after that, come and see us here in Hawaii. The Creative Media course right. runs every January. It's a three-month school, and it's kind of a crash course in, that covers a lot of different fields within media. So film, design, audio, writing, um, uh, photography, illustration. We, we cover quite a lot, but we try to get a really meaningful, useful, powerful, impactful experience in each of those you know, different media. So that's, that's part of what good. I do. Yeah, guys, this is making me hungrier for the things of God. I hope it's making you hungry. Maybe you felt a stirring on your heart as Joel was sharing the, the stories. Maybe that's a call for you into missions. Maybe it's a call for you into media. Maybe it's a call for you into the business place as you're feeling stirred. Mm -hmm. But um, Joel, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you if they'd like a yeah. little more information? Well, uh, yeah, go to InnovisionStudio.org, and that, my contact information is there, and you can see a little bit about our team and our studio and our campus. And, um, yeah, maybe before we go, can I, can I pray? I was going to ask and, that. Okay, good. <laughs> Absolutely. Pray jumping blessing. in right here before you. Um, actually, I want to tell another smaller story and then pray. Yeah, go for it. Um, so when I was in Serbia... Um, we were playing concerts with my band and my twin brother and I, you know, he was on drums and I was on guitar and singing and sometimes we would have these really weird experiences and anytime you'll experience this in media, you'll experience this, especially if you're out on the streets doing something where the gospel is clearly being preached, you will almost without fail, if there's a weirdo or a crazy in a, like a two mile radius, yes. they will be drawn like a magnet to that space and time and they will come and try to disrupt. Mm -hmm. 
And we had a moment where that was happening. And we we're playing this concert in an amphitheater. It was a beautiful venue right by the river. This is a university town. And so people would walk along the riverside and we set up with our sound system and we're playing for those who would come to the amphitheater as the sun was setting. And this one crazy guy came and he was over in one side of uh, one side of the audience and just shouting and shouting obscenities and I didn't need to speak Serbian to understand right. that it was being he was being very rude. Um, but on stage we just felt like we were supposed to just keep worshiping Jesus. And so I just focused in and just worshiped the Lord in that time. And after a little while, I didn't hear him anymore. And I didn't know what happened until almost two years later. I got a cassette in the mail. <laughs> Cassettes were no longer a thing <laughs> at this point. But in Eastern Europe, they were still a thing. Um, but my, my bass player friend, Angie Contour, sent me a cassette. And it had a recording of a few voices, some that I recognized and some that I didn't. And one voice that I didn't recognize was actually that crazy guy who was yelling at our concert. He told the story of how while he was, you know, shouting at us, he was high. He was on LSD and tripping out. And he said while he was hearing us play, he started seeing these glowing like flames of fire above the heads of all of the believers in the audience and on stage and he didn't know they were believers he didn't know what was going on and it absolutely freaked him out he ran home he wrote it all down in his journal because he knew he was still high and he's and because he, he wanted to remember in the morning what was going on well the next morning he wakes up and he reads his journal and he's just so infuriated he rips up the pages that he had written on and literally threw them physically out of his window. And he said it was because he was so mad that he had given his heart to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So in his words on the cassette, he said, I, I didn't give my heart to the Lord. I did battle wow. for months. He said, I was battling with God. And he said, I surrendered at the end of that. And so... This guy and these others are now like writing their own worship songs, going back to that same physical place and preaching and helping others to find Jesus. But my, my prayer for the audience out there and, and for us too is, Lord, open our eyes to what the fire that you have placed in us. The anointing is without repentance. And the call has gone out and a lot of people will say no or will get busy or will have some kind of you know, expectation that is, or obligations that they, that they will you know, bow to. But I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you are doing through our lives. That we could see beyond just the physical, that we could see what you are doing in the spiritual. God, I pray that you would call media missionaries out from the nations, that you would call people from every corner of the globe to say yes to you and to your call and to be willing to go, not for just a day or a few weeks or months, but to say yes to a lifelong call yeah. to articulate your love and your truth to the world. Because there is no more powerful tool than this massive megaphone amplifier that you have given us 
of this tool of media in your hands with your words in through our voices, Lord God. We trust that you can do beautiful, powerful things that will change lives. So God, help us to see it. Help us to hear it. Help us to, to be faithful with our yes, not just once, but every single time. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Joel, it was an honor to have you on Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky Podcast. For those of you out there, please reach out to him right here at University of the Nations, YWAM Kona, Innovision Studios. If you ever come to the Big Island of Hawaii, uh, come on up to the base, Yeah. Uh, check in, uh, however that yeah. process is, check in, and then swing by and meet Joel and Jeff Rogers. And remember, guys, be activated in Jesus' name. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation and adventures in the spirit. We hope that this podcast encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. You can stay up to date with Fireborn Ministries by going to our website, firebornministries.com and like us on Facebook. And may you have your own adventures in the spirit. For over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology that you trust and rely on by helping you across all the places where you write the most. With one click, you can easily brainstorm, rewrite, and reply quickly with suggestions based on your context and goals. Accelerate productivity for you and your teams. More than 30 million people rely on Grammarly to help them with their writing today. Applying to new jobs? With Grammarly by your side, you can apply to your dream job with confidence by tailoring your cover letter and revising your resume in seconds. A big presentation coming up? Let Grammarly create a personalized outline to get you organized so you can transform your ideas into a compelling presentation. For your next vacation, it can help you create a whole itinerary. Grammarly is here to assist you at every step of your writing so you can show up with confidence. You'll be amazed at what you can do. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download for free. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast.